This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit GaryNorth.com slash free books to download this book in PDF format. By This Standard The Authority of God's Law Today by Greg L. Bonson Published by the Institute for Christian Economics, Tyler, Texas Copyright 1985 Section C Motivational and Consequential Perspectives Chapter 9 A Motivational Ethic Endorses the Law Quote, All of God's people throughout both testaments, have a heart which longs to obey the commandments of the Lord, for the law is established against the background of God's mercy toward his people. End quote. Those who are genuine believers in Christ know very well that their salvation cannot be grounded in their own works of the law. Quote, Not by works of righteousness which we did ourselves, but according to his mercy he saved us. That being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. End quote. Titus chapter 3 verses 5 through 7. The believer's justification before God is grounded instead in the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.11 and Romans 5.19. It is his imputed righteousness that makes us right before the judgment seat of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. Quote, a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law, end quote. Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Consequently, a truth that is dear to the heart of every Christian is the summary provided by Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Quote, by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, end quote. Salvation is grounded in the grace of God, and the instrumental means by which we gain it is saving faith. The law does not save us, but rather strikes us dead. Romans chapter 7 verse 9 and 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 6 and 7. It is true, therefore, that the Christian life and ethics should be characterized by the grace of God and saving faith. The believer's behavior should be a reflection of his faith in the mercy of God. The Christian ethic ought not to stand in opposition to salvation by grace through faith. As Paul said, quote, By the grace of God we have had our behavior in the world, end quote. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. And the Christian life can be designated, quote, the good fight of faith, end quote. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. However, this does not mean that the Christian life is one of antagonism to the law of God, as many people seem to infer. It is too often thought that, since the law condemns us and cannot save us, grace and faith release us from any obligation to God's law. A gracious ethic of faith, we are told, cannot tolerate rules, regulations, or commands from God. That would be legalism, it is said. But such thinking and reasoning is not biblical. Such antinomian implications must be corrected by God's word. Law and grace are correlative. God's law defines my sin and thereby my need for the Savior. Christ has saved me from the guilt and power of sin just because the law of God is so important. It displays the kind of life required by God, and the consequences of disobedience to it must not be ignored. In being saved from the wrath of God upon lawbreakers, I will naturally, supernaturally, desire now to keep the formally transgressed standard of God's law. In that light, we can observe that Scripture portrays law and grace as correlative to each other. God's grace operates within the parameters of His law in justifying His people, God does not violate his own justice, Romans chapter 3, verse 26. And God's law is gracious, Psalm 119, verse 29. 
The two support each other. The law promotes the fulfillment of God's promise, Romans chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, and God's grace works to fulfill the law, Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. When Paul says that we are saved by grace through faith, he immediately adds that as God's workmanship, we are expected to walk in good works, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Although it is popular today to look upon the law as an intolerable burden for modern man, the beloved apostle wrote that for the believer, God's law is not burdensome, 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. When the psalmist reflected upon the loving kindness of the Lord, he longed to be taught his statutes and rose at midnight to render thanks for his righteous ordinances. Psalm 119, verses 62 through 64. Moses viewed the giving of God's law as a sure sign of his love for the people. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verses 2 through 4. All of God's people throughout both testaments have a heart which longs to obey the commandments of the Lord. For the laws established against the background of God's mercy toward his people. For example, Exodus chapter 20 verse 2. The first-hand experience of God's redemption is a strong motive for keeping the law. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 10 and 11. The grace of God, that is, brings men to exclaim, quote, I long for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight, end quote. Psalm 119 verse 174. Paul, for example, wrote, quote, I delight in the law of God after the inward man, end quote. Romans chapter 7, verse 22. God's law, you see, had been graciously written upon his heart. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. In Romans 6, Paul discusses the implications of being under God's grace. He begins by asking whether we should continue in sin, law-breaking, so that grace might abound. His answer is a dramatic, God forbid, in verses 1 and 2. Those who have had their old man crucified with Christ, those who are united with Christ in his death and resurrection, those who have risen with him must walk in newness of life, no longer in bondage to sinful living. Romans 6, 3-11 So Paul exhorts us, quote, Let not sin reign in your mortal body, so that you should obey its lust. Neither present your members unto sin as instruments of unrighteousness. End quote. Those who are saved by grace from the power of sin should be finished with violating God's law. Instead, they must, having been made alive from the dead, present their members as instruments of righteousness. Romans 6, verses 12 and 13. Why is this? How can it be that we are obliged to obey the righteous requirements of God's law if we are saved by grace? Paul answers, quote, Because sin shall not have dominion over you, you are not under law but under grace. End quote. Romans 6, verse 14. Ironically, although many groups have used this declaration out of context to support release from the law's demand, the verse is one of the strongest biblical proofs that believers must strive to obey the law of God. Because we are no longer under the curse of the law and shut into its inherent impotence in enabling obedience, because we are under God's enabling grace, not under law, we must not allow violations of the law, for example, sin in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, to dominate our lives. It is in order that the righteous ordinance of the law may be fulfilled in us that God has graciously put his spirit within our hearts. Romans chapter 8 verse 4. Quote, so then, shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? God forbid. End quote. Romans 6 verse 15. Quote, the grace of God has appeared unto all men, bringing salvation, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. End quote. 
for Christ has, quote, redeemed us from every lawless deed, end quote. Titus chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. God's grace upholds his law. It is to be expected, therefore, that Paul would ask the following question and supply the obvious answer. Quote, Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. End quote. Romans chapter 3, verse 31. Faith which does not bring obedient works, that is, faith which is divorced from God's law, is in fact insincere and dead. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. This kind of faith cannot justify a man at all. The Westminster Confession of Faith in 1646 is true to Scripture when it teaches that, quote, good works done in obedience to God's commandments are the fruits and evidences of a true and lively faith, end quote. This is chapter 16, verse 2. By saving faith, the confession says, a man will yield obedience to the commands of Scripture. Genuine saving faith is always is accompanied by heartfelt repentance from sin and turning unto God, quote, purposing and endeavoring to walk with him in all the ways of his commandments, end quote. Chapter 15, verse 2. We conclude, then, that the Christian's life of grace and faith is not one which is indifferent or antagonistic to the law of God. God's grace and saving faith establish the validity of the law. Christian love and God's law. The same can be said for the basic Christian ethic of love. Because God has shown his love toward us, we are now to live in love to him and our neighbor. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12 and verses 16 through 21. On these two love commandments, toward God and toward our neighbor, as taught in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, hang all the law and the prophets, said Jesus, Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Indeed, quote, love is the fulfillment of the law, end quote, Romans chapter 13, verse 10. But in the thinking of Jesus and the apostles, does this mean that Christians can dispense with the law of God or repudiate its details? Not at all. Moses had taught that loving God meant keeping his commandments, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 16. And as usual, Jesus did not depart from Moses, quote, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, end quote, John chapter 14, verse 15. The love which summarizes and epitomizes Christian ethics is not a vague generality or feeling that tolerates, for instance, everything from adultery to chastity. John wrote, quote, Hereby we know that we love the children of God when we love God and do his commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, end quote. 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. Love summarizes the law of God, but it does not abrogate or replace it. As John Murray once wrote, quote, the summary does not obliterate or abrogate the expansion of which it is a summary, end quote. God's commandments give the specific character and direction to love as exercised by the believer. Rather than being a law unto itself, autonomous, love is a reflection of the character of God, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, and must therefore coincide with the dictates of God's law, for they are the transcript of God's moral perfection on a creaturely level. God has loved us in that he saved us by grace through faith. Accordingly, the Christian life ought to reflect the principles of grace, faith, and love. Without them, it is vain and insignificant. However, far from eliminating the law of God, a gracious ethic of faith and love establishes the permanent validity of, and our need for, the Lord's commandments. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts, 
where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.